What is up, everybody? My name is Sean Sheehan, and this is the Sheehan Show for SureDog.com. And on today's episode, I'm going to look back at last week in the world of uh, mixed martial arts and, you know what, combat sports, uh, and pick out a few things that I thought kind of stood out uh, in in our mad, mad <laughs> world. Um and just discuss them a little bit. And when I say combat sports, I mean combat sports. Because the first thing I want to talk about here is the Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson versus Rotang uh, bout that uh, went down over in one championship under one X card, which was it was pretty good. It was pretty entertaining, to be honest. And I, look, I'll get straight into it because the card in general, it's, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. I'm not a, the biggest uh, kickboxing or grappling fan in the world. No, I'd be more of a grappling fan than I would be a kickboxing fan by, by themselves. The MMA may be a little bit different, but um, I'm just not a fan of kickboxing. I, ne- I never really have been. I've always, I love boxing back in the day and I loved MMA, obviously for the last good few years. But I, ne- I don't know, I just, the old kickboxing, it, it felt to me, and I might be wrong, and loads of people probably disagree with me, but like, uh, a hole in the middle that didn't need to be filled. And now that, <laughs> there's probably Muay Thai fans and kickboxer fans out there who absolutely hate me and, and you know never watch anything I do again because of that. But I, I don't I don't make that opinion uh known too often. I don't talk about it too often so you can say subscribe for another while. But anyway, uh the John Wayne Power uh and uh, Edward Filang fight that I watched that was very, very good and some of the other fights before that as well were very good. But the Demetrius Johnson fight uh, by itself, I just really enjoy that because what we had there, right, was a guy who's done it all in the game, and Demetrius Johnson. Now he's headlined the top of cards. He's been a champion in the UFC. Uh, he's been, you know, one of the longest running champions in the history of the UFC. He didn't feel appreciated, so he kind of, you know, he left as part of the Ben Askren trade. Now I put up a thing the other day on Twitter about this uh, Ben Askren trade, and. Look, a lot of people take your point wrong when you put something up on Twitter, and I, I understand that. And, and my point was, look, they traded Ben Askren, a guy who ended up getting knocked out by a TikToker, for Demetrius Johnson. In my opinion, the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. If you disagree with that, you can't disagree with his top 10. You know, you, I don't think you can disagree with top 5, but anyway, that, that's my opinion. Without a shadow of a doubt, skill-wise, even opponent-wise, I think people discounted his opponents because they didn't know who they were for a lot of years, and I think his opponents actually weren't as bad as people make out. But anyway, we leave that there for a second. He's a guy who's done all of that, right? And, uh, okay, on the trades, uh, I, I, I uh, went on a tangent, and then I went back, but I'll finish up the tangent. On the trade, like, the my point there that you trade away Demetrius Shanson if you're, the, if you're the UFC, you are the premier fighting league in the world, Right? And your job is to get the best fighters in the world and obviously earn a lot of money along the way. And, you know, it's prize fighting and all of that. But if you can't be a prize fighting organization and have the best fighter in the world as one of your top fighters, and if you can't promote him, then you're not doing that job right. That And that is as simple as I can put it. If you can't, and I know some guys don't help themselves, and look, Demetrius Shanton, is he one of those guys? Probably is. As much as I love him, as much as I, I respect his ability, he probably is one of those guys. But it should not have mattered. They should have been able to do it anyway. And that, to, to me, is a very bad sign for the UFC and like says a lot about how kind of useless the UFC are at promoting unless someone hands it to them. Like, my, my friend over in the Severe May Podcast, Graham, is always talking about how if you think about who has become who have become big stars in the UFC over the last few years, they've mostly done it by themselves. And then, obviously, they see the UFC see that and they get behind them. 
there's no one that the UFC kind of pick out, say we're going to promote, and then they become a top fighter. Like they tried it with Sage Narcott, they tried it with Paige Van Zandt, they're probably trying it now probably a little bit with Sean O'Malley, let, let, and let's see if it works, you know? But McGregor, he very much, you know, he had the documentary going when he was in Cage Warriors, he was all over the place doing interviews, he made himself a star. Even Mazavidal, I think, and, you know, all of that. The fact that they couldn't make Demetrius Johnson a star, and not even necessarily a star, but someone that they wanted to keep on the roster in a division that they wanted to keep is, to me, a travesty. But anyway, that was a a, a big... Uh, and, and, you know, and ben, uh, ben Askren in on the other side of it. To me, a very average fighter who probably did as well as he ever could have in MMA and did a great job, made, made money out in 1FC and won the Bellator title and everything like that. But at one stage, there was people comparing him to GSP, which... Just ludicrous. But anyway, on, on this Demetrius Johnson for a long fight, and there's like a five-minute Daniel Fiona. But anyway, that's what that's what this is about. We're, we're having a bit of fun here. I really loved it. I really, really loved it because you have a guy in Demetrius, as I said earlier on, he's pro- proven everything, done everything, done it all, and he wants to have a little bit of fun. Like, I equate it to, um, you know, like David Beckham going out to America playing for a few years, or, you know, we see um, seniors tours here in golf and in snooker and different things people who've done it all but still love the game and want to keep it going and want to do a little bit more now Demetrius Johnson isn't on the senior store or anything like that he was going against Rotang was an absolute killer so he wasn't taking it easier or anything like that but he was trying something else you know he said afterwards he's 35 years of age and he also said that he wasn't willing to go in there just uh, take it easy against Foylong or, or sorry against uh, Rotang did I call him Foylong earlier on sorry I mixed them all up um uh, but anyway, all all these all these fighters fall under. I actually have uh, my cage warriors what to do after this, and I have two Shelley brothers, and I have a Sheehan, and I <laughs> and I mix it everyone. But anyway, but Demetrius, I I respect that. Like it's old school MMA as well, and I feel like he is kind of an old school guy. Go in there, have his fight, be as good as he possibly can be in preparation and turn into like a fantastic fighter while also kind of recognizing as well that he will do this sort of thing and can do this sort of thing and isn't it funny too thinking back oh we can't promote this guy this guy is no personality this guy is won't do any he won't take any chances you know people are always giving out oh he won't fight tj dillashaw at 135 but the same guy just fought like a world champion Mai Tai guy who like i don't really know much about but anyone i speak to who knows about that uh that part of the world and that part of combat sports they all say rotang is very 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 good and i think anyone who you know watch has watched fights in their life can see the first round and realize <laughs> that rotang was very very good and hits very very hard it's funny how at 35 years of age he's willing to do that but seemingly he wasn't willing to fight tj dillashaw uh you know five years ago or whatever it might have been that that to me is you know weird <laughs> and i and it's more weird on the other side of it the demetrius johnson side so i i don't know take that for what it's worth but he said all the time at that stage he was willing to fight those guys as long as they paid him the money one fc are paying him the money and he's fighting for them and he's fighting those cool fun fights like imagine if he was fighting cool fun fights in the ufc and they were paying him the money the problem is the ufc paying him the money the ufc did a great job of uh, talking up Demetrius Johnson, not wanting Demetrius Johnson, not wanting to fight and not wanting to fight TJ Dillashaw and all of this. But at the end, if that was happening today, and he was like, 
I want the fight, but I want more money. I feel like the UFC MMA fans would be more sympathetic to that plight because I feel like we all have become more sympathetic to that plight over the last few years. Now, John Jones mightn't have done much to help that, but uh, it, it just feels like Demetrius Schatz was maybe a little bit ahead of his time in that one. And if we think about it and go back and rethink it, I think maybe we can come up with something different. Uh, in, look, at the end of the day, it worked out well for the UFC. Uh, as Jack Slack said on Twitter there uh, on Saturday night, they got the summer of Masvidal out of it. Uh, Demetrius Johnson got paid well over one championship. One championship got a very, very good fighter. And Demetrius Johnson got to have some fun, you know? Whereas <laughs> in the, the UFC wouldn't let him have any, and he wouldn't pay him either. So... I have massive respect to Mighty Mouse. I hope he does a fight like this again. I hope um, 1FC puts something on like this again. Maybe one round grappling, one round MMA, one round grappling, one round MMA or something. I don't know who you'd get to, to do that. I'm sure someone in the comment section could uh, could throw a few names out there. But I would love to see it. I would love to see Demetrius Johnson uh, back again in uh, in that sort of fight. So I really, really enjoyed it. The card overall, very, very good. And... The reason I think it was very good is it was something different, you know, and we need something different in MMA. We have fucking 50 UFC cards a year and another, what, 15, 20 Bellator cards, whatever it might be. And pretty much they're all the same in terms of like you have some very good fights, you have some okay fights, you have the very same uh, production in all of them. They're all straight up MMA fights, some three rounds, some five rounds, the odd tournament by Bellator. Nothing by the UFC, and that's it. Like, there isn't much variation, really, is there? Not nothing, like, fun to get us out of our seat. Now, the fights themselves are fun, and it's a, you know, inherently brilliant and fun sport. But you get me, like, we need, we need a little bit different. People who like MMA are generally people who like a bit of crack and like a bit of fun and like a bit of madness. Give us a bit of madness, you know? Give us a bit more madness and let us see it, but... The one, uh, one championship have given us that this weekend, and uh, I want to see more out of it, to be honest. I enjoyed the 1X show, and um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was great, and uh, uh, also on that card, there was some straight-up MMA fights as well. Andrew Lee, I thought she looked fantastic uh, going in there beating Stamp uh, in the uh, in the main event top during the last couple of seconds of, of round two. I thought her striking came on an awful lot as well. I thought it looked, thought it looked very, very good. Um, and Adriano Morais, uh, uh, Wakamatsu, myself and Ian did the preview here on Shardog uh, during the week and uh, I think we were both kind of saying he's very good offensively and defensively is an issue but also we were talking about how good of a wrestler he is and I was watching that fight and I think we went to the third round I think and I remember thinking like why why isn't he going for takedowns like why (laughs) he's a very good wrestler why is he not going for takedowns and in the first takedown he goes for he gets submitted so that's that's the reason he wasn't going for takedowns, but take nothing away from Marice. That guy is a very, very good fighter. Demetrius Johnson will tell you that, and so will many others. And, um, you know, I saw someone talking recently about, oh, none of the Bellator fighters would get anywhere near the, uh, sorry, none of the Bellator champions would get anywhere near the UFC champions. So I'll tell you what, there's a one championship champion that'll get damn near uh, a few UFC champions. I know there might be more than one as well, so... Uh, very, very fun card from uh, from one championship. The next thing I want to talk about here is uh, Max Griffin versus Neil Magny uh, in the UFC this weekend. And I think, look, to a lot of people, it was maybe a, a fight of of two halves even. You know, Max Griffin obviously won the, the first round, close second, and then Magny turned over uh, a, a new leaf maybe in the third and ended up winning that, in my opinion, a 10-8. But that's, uh, that's beside the point. And Magny ended up winning the unanimous decision. But it was one of those fights, right, where I think the guy who lost will regret it 
for years and years and years. And it's not, it's not a fight where you know you you make a, a, a mistake like and you put yourself you know you put your head in you get guillotined or you lose a decision or you know you decide to wrestle when maybe you shouldn't have wrestled. Those, those things can happen and those things. Um, you know, those those things are errors in fight or errors in calculation or things like that. But this was a little bit different to me. Uh, and it was the point exactly when Max Griffin knocked Neil Magny down and then he let him back up. And now, the letting him back up bit wasn't too bad, but he let him off the hook when he did let him back up because uh, he was having a striking advantage at that stage. He obviously, you know, he was landing the power strikes. He knocked Neil Magny down with a big, hard shot. But when he got back up, you could hear, I, I actually couldn't hear it, but the commentary said it, and I, I trust them in this anyway, not in much other, but um, they, they were saying his corner was telling him to take his time and pick his shots. Now, that is the right thing to do most of the time, right? And uh, almost all of the time, it's the right thing to do. I love, I come on here all the time and I talk about fundamentals, the fundamentals of striking, the fundamentals of wrestling, and if you see all the great fighters down through the years, it's always a great fundamentals and intelligence and fight IQ that they achieved that, right? So that's the correct thing to do most of the time, but not in this situation. Not in this situation. You have to have that situational awareness. You have to know what's going on, and you have to know who you're fighting to. You're fighting Neil Magny. This is a guy who, unless you put him away, he will keep coming back, and he has great cardio, and he'll keep going into the third, you know, third, fourth, fifth round if it needs to be. This is only three rounds, but you get me. Now, if this happened in the third round, maybe, and he was a couple of rounds up or something like that, I would have said, okay, don't put yourself into that position. Absolutely no problem. Take your time. Do what's right for you. But in this position, there... You know, Luke Thomas used the phrase a few years ago, and I always loved the phrase, and I didn't understand it for a while, but I, I think I do now, but he used the phrase, the proclivity for violence. And I think in that situation, you need to be violent, you need to be confident as well, and you need to get that finish. At that point, you need to get that finish. You cannot... You cannot leave that behind you because it's not just fighting Neil Magny. It's not just beating Neil Magny. It's for your place in the rankings. Like, what's Neil Magny? I don't know, 10 or 12 or maybe maybe a little bit higher in the UFC rankings. Max Griffin, if, if I'm correct, is not ranked. So you win that fight and um, automatically, immediately, you're ranked, right? And then we're talking about fights against Sean Brady, you know? Then we're talking about fights against Michael Chiesa and people like that. And you win one of them, and where are you then? You know, you're in... You could be up with Colby, you could be up towards the championship winning two or three fights. And that's the reality of it. And after that loss, he's now unranked, and he could get anyone. You know, he could get some up-and-comer who's very, very good, who'll beat him and get past him. Or he could get someone who is, you know new to the UFC or he could get someone who's been in the UFC for years and it's not going to do anything for him it might take two or three wins again before he gets close to anyone who's in the rankings and it might never happen let's be realistic it might never ever happen for him and that moment honestly and I hope it's not because I like Max Griffin I think he's a very very good fighter and I enjoy watching him but that honestly could be a pivotal moment in his career that could be a moment he looks back on when he's 50 or 60 or 70 and he's talking about his career and he was thinking, if I won that fight, I had him. I had him beat. I had him beat. I had, I was, I, I knocked him down. He was out of it. If I'd landed one more shot, he was gone and I would have been a champion.
you know and now okay will he will he be a champion probably not but you get what i mean it it just felt like one of those moments i and i said it live i said this before so this isn't being a general after the battle or anything like that i said this the second he let him back up and for the next minute or so when he let him off the hook a little bit I just feel like it was such a grave error that, look, MMA is all about, as I said earlier on, fundamental, it's all about being a good fighter, it's all about being a smart fighter, but you also have to take it, you have to take it by the scruff of the neck, there's no fighter in the history of MMA who's been a top, top fighter who hasn't taken it, like, let's, John Jones. Look what he did against Shogun in that in that title fight. And, you know, it was in a title fight because Jones quickly got to a title fight, if you get me. But if you look at, you know, Habib down through the years, he kind of took it against everyone, let's be honest. But look at McGregor versus Mendez or McGregor versus Holloway or, you know... we Look, we could see it from Hamzat here against Gilbert Burns in, in the next couple of weeks. It It is a thing you need to do. You need to take that next step. You need to beat that guy and put yourself in that position. And when the opportunity like that arises, when it comes right in front of you, you have to take it. And unfortunately for Max Griffin, he was not able to take it. He didn't take it. And to me, that's something he will regret and regret and regret for a long time, unless he gets back into that position, you know, unless he wins a few fights and let's say they, mar- they give Michael Keza and he beats Michael Keza, well, maybe then no, but it's not that easy. I'm telling you, lads, it's not that easy to get back into that position. And uh, I think, uh, look, if he learns from it and he gets there again, I think it will be different. But it was, it was, it was sick, it's saddening to see, you know, for a guy. And, you know, I like Neil Magny as well. I'd know, you know, I'd know Harson that one. I, I don't think it was, I don't think I had any of my bets for the week or anything, and I don't think so. So, yeah, it wasn't like I was favoring anyone or anything, but it was just to see a guy reach his potential and to see him ha- be one kind of step away from it and not do it. You know, maybe people disagree with me. Maybe I'm overplaying it, but I don't know. It just, it was just because it was Neil Magny as well. Because it was Neil Magny, you just knew that he's going to come back. He is going to come back unless you do it here and now. And he wasn't able to do it, unfortunately. Right. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, and this is a thing I've talked about a good bit over the last week or so over on, on Severe. I May mean, I actually have a Patreon podcast coming out with uh, my good friend Spencer Kyle and, and Harry uh, Powell as well over uh, the next week or so. But card placement, I think, is a big thing. Uh, in the UFC these days and um, it's very interesting to me how kind of um, willy-nilly <laughs> they are uh, placing these cards these days and I think the weekend really showed that a lot you know and Paul Craig as well the week before over in London like Paul Craig literally buried in the prelim like buried in the prelims that was one of those ones that's hard to believe you know it's hard it's hard to believe this guy is a what is he ranked 13 or 14 maybe even a little bit higher in the in the light heavyweight division he's beaten two of the last three um ufc fight night headliners before that uh, at that time or two of the last four or something like that jamal hill and uh the other lad whose name i can never remember um and he he was thrown in the middle of the prelims and he he was almost an afterthought for the UFC and even afterwards Dan Hawaii was asked about him and he was like oh yeah look we'll get another fight for Paul Craig or whatever when Paul Craig is a ranked guy who just keeps finishing everyone he's not like he's just decisioning guys he's finishing all of these lads he should be higher up and he should have a higher placement in the card but as well 
you look at last night or last uh, Saturday night and you see Kai Kara France versus Askar Askarov by anyone's estimation the number one contender fight in that division you know with the the two lads fighting for the for the title if they are and if they aren't uh, absolutely the number one contender fight you know Askar Askarov ranked like number three or four or something and Kai Kara France had a good win streak ranked number six or seven or something like that so on the way up um and obviously Askar Askarov won but also uh, you know, because there was, there was a few fights like that, and look, the darkest, the darkest uh, blades fight was a little bit like that. Although I think we all kind of know on that one, it was more of a middling heavyweight fight than anything else. Like I don't, I don't think anyone was fooling themselves with that. Uh, there was the Nicolau fight. There was also the Firo uh, fight against uh, Jennifer Maya, which turned out to be a very fun fight. But I think anyone looking at the card coming in, and I said this in the preview here, and I think lo- more than me said it as well. So it's not like I'm breaking any ground or anything. But this needed five rounds, you know? Askar Askarov versus Kai Carfrance needed five rounds. We said that coming in, and we probably said that afterwards as well. If that had another two rounds, how much better would it be, and how much of a classic would we have gotten? Whereas a heavyweight fight, look, I, I think it was going to... You could say it for all heavyweight fights, but I think it was going to finish early anyway. Um, and it didn't need it. Like, what What are Chris Dawkins or Curtis Bates going to gain from a heavyweight fight at this stage anyway? It's... And it's not like they're big names. It's not like it's just a heavyweight fight. Is their own, like that's the only reason I can see they put it there. It's a heavyweight fight, and they're top they're top ranked heavyweights. But like, do people uh, get drawn to just top top ranked heavyweights anymore? It, like, is that a thing? It, look, we we have lived for years and years and years with Ryan Nelson and Czech Congo and you know uh, Ben Rothwell and others headlining cards, and it's like. Can we can we move past that a little bit? Like, can we get a little bit more intelligent with card? Like, especially the, especially the ones in um in the UFC Apex. Now I know it was in Columbus the last time there was a crowd there and everything, but like it wasn't. None of those two guys are like homegrown uh, Columbus or Ohio guys or anything like that. Like, even if they'd put Matt Brown in the main of it. I would have maybe understood it a little bit more, you know, even though I think both him and Bar- Barbarina are unranked, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but at least in, you know, you have the hometown guy, he's a big name and everything like that. I would have had little problem with that, honestly. Um, but to put that main event as the main event, when you have a fight so calling out for the main event slot, I just think, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. When you like when you don't have a good alternative, because the, the heavyweight fight wasn't a good alternative. It really wasn't. Like, if it was Silganya against Blades or Silganya against uh, Dawkins or maybe, you know, Stipe or jo- obviously John Jones would be on a, 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 you know, a, a pay-per-view card. But if it was any of them guys, I would have... You know, I would I wouldn't have said anything. Or Derek Lewis even. But you don't have that name value. You don't have that star there. Yet you choose to put it there just because it's a heavyweight fight. Now you don't have the star in the Askarov Cara France fight either, but let's create a star. Let's create a main event star. Imagine that fight over five rounds in the main event. People would have been waxing lyrical about it. They would have been talking about it all the time. It would have been one of the fights of the year. It was a great fight. Really, really fun fight. Kai Cara France. Putting on an unbelievable performance against such a, a tough opponent. You know, uh, um, I almost called him Peter Yander, but Askar Askarov fighting very well as well. And he'll be back. You know, it, I know it's it's maddening. Honestly, it's maddening. And I'm sure it's maddening to a lot of people listening in as well who are, uh, you know, uh, hardcore MMA fans. And, you know, on Sure Dog, that's the right place to get them. And I'm sh- look, we all understand the reasons. We all understand why the UFC are doing it. 
uh, I suppose from like the oh it's a heavyweight fight point of view and oh the, the flyweights are not going to draw point of view but like let's get past that come on there was 18,000 people there the last day I saw Damon Martin put it up about uh, you know the biggest car the biggest uh, gate and all of that you tell me those people who are ravenous for events who are ravenous to get out the house after two years being stuck inside they wouldn't have gone anyway even if Askar Askarov versus Kai Car Francis the main event and they would have enjoyed it more Balderdash, absolute balderdash. Let come on. We we it's twenty twenty two. We need to move past this rubbish and get the right fights in the main event at the right time. And look, the card placement itself as well. It's it's a longer um, <laughs> you know it's a longer discussion for another day. But I think they could do a better job with that as well. I understand they have to put what they see anyway as big fights in each of the portions to get people to tune in. I've no problem with that, but. Get the best fights at the top. That's the least you should be doing, right? Okay. Uh, last thing I want to talk about here is a little bit of a uh, little bit of Irish MMA. Uh, there was a few prospects uh, fighting over the weekend. Um, Kenny Mokahana, who is, if anyone knows Franz Malambo, he's Franz Malambo's brother. He had a win. I think it was over in UAE Warriors. He is one of. A, uh, I think he's 3-0 now uh, as a pro you'll find out in Sherdog.com and sure John will have it up here uh, on, on, the, on the graphic he's a very very good prospect um, and one to definitely keep an eye on unfortunately John Mitchell then lost the next night on the UAE Warriors card he's he's still a top prospect as well though he's been training out with Munir Lazez and those lads uh, for the last couple of years and um, he got caught in a guillotine just put his head in the wrong place and got caught but uh, the, the main attraction for Irish MMA this weekend, uh, also we had Norman Park fighting over in uh, kind of a boxing match over in Poland. Norman's been doing a lot of that uh, for the last few years and he's doing great for himself. But Will Flory, this is a guy you need to, to be keeping an eye on because um, he, look, he's a guy I always thought was a good fighter and he might be able to get to like a certain level and it would take a lot of improvement for him to kind of move past that he obviously did well in Bellator and we've always seen improvements out of Will throughout his career he's gotten a bit better a bit better and a bit better but for me and I maybe I haven't seen it maybe it's my Irish bias no I wouldn't say it he, he never took that leap you know he never kind of got to that next level and there's lots of fighters like that you know even Mark Casey, we, we saw it uh, at the weekend maybe a little bit like that even oh god if something goes flying here God Almighty. Anyway, uh, you, that's probably a good shock video. <laughs> you, you got out of me. Anyway, back to Will Flory. Um, Will Flory. Uh, I'm I'm in shock here, lads. I'm in shock. I have a big sign up there and it just fell down and went flying. But anyway. Um, so Will Flory, in this fight at the weekend against Tarek Suleiman for the middleweight title over in UAE Warriors, he took a massive leap forward. He took a huge leap forward in his career. His wrestling has always been good. His grappling has always been good. And it was good here again uh, on uh, on Saturday evening. But his striking to me looks so good. Fighting out of the southpaw position. He said afterwards as well, he came in with a, a few injuries to the ankle. And he said he broke his hand as well. So maybe that's why he was fighting out of the southpaw position. But his... Um, his jab, he's straight down through the middle. Down through the middle, were lovely. And I talk about, I talked earlier about fundamentals. Will Ford looked a really good fundamental fighter in this, and that's what you need to be. And I've never seen him look as comfortable in there before. And I think what was that? His twelfth or thirteenth fight. I've probably seen all of them. I've seen a couple of them live, even uh, in person. But um, it was a real top top performance. And the mid, look, the middleweight division worldwide isn't that strong. 
And when you see a good fighter coming through like this who has, you know, a good amount of fighting fights and a good amount of experience, I think you need to take notes. So, uh, I think the UFC could come calling very soon, maybe one or two more fights. Maybe he mightn't even need that. Um, and I, I think he'd do a, good, do a good job in the UFC. As I said, the middleweight division, not as strong. And I think he could go in there, win a few fights. If he improves the way he's improved from the last fight to this fight and even the few fights before, he you know, there's no ceiling now for Will Fury. I always had a ceiling. Maybe, I, you know, maybe I didn't have a ceiling on him. But you know, you you look at a guy and you see his fights, and you're thinking, right, it'll take a lot. Uh, but now it, don't, it won't take a lot. <laughs> you know, it'll, okay, it'll still take a lot if you want to become world champion. But he's a very, very good prospect. And to me, he's gone from a level, uh, you know, as a good prospect to this level of a prospect now after the weekend. And definitely, a guy, if you're uh, across the pond or wherever you are in the world, to to, to keep an eye on as uh, another Irish MMA prospect coming through. So. Um, right, I will leave it at that. I go over and try to clean up whatever broke up over there earlier on. Uh, thanks to John Brannigan and all the team over at Shardog.com uh, for all the uh, all the help. Uh, my name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com, and I'll see everyone next time.